This week, we begin season two with our listeners' suggested cases. We start with a brutal homicide in Odessa that leaves us with more questions than answers. We then head all the way down to Beaumont, where the life of an innocent teen girl is cut short due to multiple careless actions. Welcome to episode 33 of Texas 1031. No, 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 whatever. I straight up, it was my day off, and I was like, hey, I have an extra piece of coconut cream pie. And I was like, it's 1230. It's fine. I'll eat coconut cream pie and a beer for lunch. (laughs) And that's what I did. Yes. So bad. So what'd you do this summer, Cassie? <laughs> um, I just worked a lot, a lot, and I traveled all over the city. What did you do here? You went on vacation. Oh, I did. That's right. Did that was like the whole Maryland. purpose. Well, I went to, and then I immediately went to Fort Worth, and then the week after San Antonio, and the week after Austin, and then the week after was this past week. <laughs> Gross. And she's yeah. going out of town tomorrow. How about you? Um, I got calluses this summer. That sucks. Have you been like tilling away yeah i learned how to landscape i hung lights on the side of my house i've been doing a lot of masculine things with my hands yeah i bought workers gloves and everything heck yeah (laughs) i got a tan line tan a homemaker ew (laughs) um hey welcome back to season two this is texas 1031 oh yeah we have to open it um Hannah just mentioned that maybe everyone is all caught up now. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah. You've gone on the journey with us through the very beginning and any audio issues and Cassie ending not it. what's going on issues. <laughs> on the audio issues. Ending, yes. <laughs> Throwing it back to our roots. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, do you want to open it? Keep it tradish? I forgot how we open it. Hey everyone, this is Cassie and Hannah, this is Texas 1031, and this is a Texas true crime podcast. Um, as you should know by now, we cover less You should no- do the whole thing? Am I? I don't know. <laughs> you didn't do, you didn't I told section- you we didn't do names. <laughs> no. I thought you meant you didn't do the murder names. No, no. Fucking. No, hey. keep on no, doing it. I'm no, I'm not. It's fine. Hey everyone. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay. Cut it. It's fine. All right. Hey, everyone. This is Cassie and Hannah. This is Texas 1031, and this is a Texas true crime podcast. Do you want to leave the Texas part in? I do like that. Okay. All right. You know. Uh, As you guys should know by now, we cover lesser-known murder cases that have occurred in Texas. Uh, I'm first this week, yeah? You are. Or if we're going based off of the last episode? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, and even, like, just the, uh, what's it called? (laughs) Survivor story. Oh. I feel like you should be first because okay. you did work when we were on vacation. There you go. Yeah. I win. <laughs> um, do you have anything we you want to recommend before we start? I do. Okay. Okay. So it's probably something that everyone's seen because I saw it on Redbox, but A Quiet Place. Have you seen it? No. Ugh. 
It's the um the horror. Well, it's not horror. It's just the the thriller with Emily Blunt and John. Oh Kuzinski. yeah, okay, where they can't talk or whatever. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, like, the ending. It left a like it felt a tiny bit rushed near the end, but the whole premise of the movie was really interesting, mm-hmm. and I was. Yeah, I'll say on the edge of my seat. Like, I super enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to misrepresent, but yeah, it was really good. Cool. So that's I, my recommendation. That's basically what I did. That's the only new movie. Oh, yeah, and Incredibles 2. Oh, my God. It's really funny. Is it, though? It's actually really funny. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I was a little drunk, but it's funny. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Do you have any recommendations? I feel like I lost count. Like, mm-hmm. this entire time that we haven't been talking or recording, um, I feel like I've watched things, read things, listened to things, and it doesn't even fucking matter at this point. Yep. So, yep. no, I don't. I tried to on um, vacation because it was a 23-hour drive, I believe, up from Houston to, it was Virginia Beach mm. where we stopped. And we stopped one day in between, but the first day, Brennan's dad drove like 12, 15 hours. Jeez. I know. And I had bought... On Audible, Stephen King's new book, and I forget what Weird, it's Weird, I just read a book by Stephen King. Did you? That's really creepy that you said that. Because this new, like, I granted, I did fall asleep after the second chapter because I was exhausted in the mm-hmm. car, but it wasn't, it was, it was weird. It's like his foray into true crime, and the way his writing style doesn't really work for that. So it was weird. Huh. What it was, was it called? Um, do yeah, it just... It's weird. I'm going to give it another chance, but I expected The Outsider is what it's called. I expected a lot more from it a lot quicker so when was it written uh this this year like, it's oh, his okay. new book and it is instead of horror it's true crime mm-hmm. okay it's 19 hours long jesus christ audiobook. i'm not surprised yeah i mean okay so i was trying to watch something on tv couldn't really find anything so last night i got on not audible it was just the ibooks app whatever mm. and 1922 it's like a short story or it's a novella. They call it. It's like a book with several stories in it. And okay. I read that. And it's only like 70 to, uh, I don't know, 90 pages, something like that. Hmm. Really good. Really? I think they have a movie about it, too, though. Oh, cool. It was only written in 2010, but it was really good. It sounds familiar. 1922. Yeah. Hmm. It's on Netflix. So I'm sure if you don't want to read it, go or listen to it, go watch it. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> That's weird. Stephen King. Oh, my God. Random. I know. I'll give it, a, excuse me, another chance, but... I have the hiccups now. Nice. I was kind of disappointed. That's fine. I do also want to mention, um, basically, the begin. No, it was because I was in Fort Worth. So a couple weeks into our season break, we got a Facebook mm. comment on our page, which I wouldn't even be too worried about if it wasn't something that was on public, our public yeah. feed. Yeah. So I just want to address it briefly because this person and I ended on a very good note. We agreed to disagree and he still is a listener, which is very nice and we appreciate that. Um, We were called ignorant and racist, but against straight white men. So I don't really feel bad about that. And I'm sorry to that particular person. I just don't. So that particular segment of people. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about crimes where most of the perpetrators are straight white men. And I mean, we're both feminists ourselves. And it's, you know, just about that one person. We're not trying to make it a blanket statement and like cover everyone. Yeah. Like, you know, we have a specific narrative and a specific way of doing this. And if it isn't for you, there are plenty of other great true crime podcasts that we've recommended that, you know, definitely are a little bit more 
PC with the way they do things, but we're not going to censor ourselves and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But we love you guys and we do really take the um we take the feedback to heart. Mm-hmm. So on certain things we just will modify a little bit, but we're not going to budge really. Yeah. That's all I really wanted to say. But I just nice. wanted to address it cuz it was public, so yeah. wanted everyone to know that we saw it and we're not just like, "Man, fuck you." Yeah. yeah. She dealt with it behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Well, I was drinking a very similar drink to what I'm drinking now. Nice. <laughs> I was like, I got to stop at this point. I'm getting drunker and drunker. I won't be able to handle it. No, no. Um, so upcoming things for us. We're yeah. going to the podcast event in Austin. Yes. Uh, it's in a couple weeks. And yeah, if you want to go, go. Yeah. There's Hopefully another one in Houston. There will be some That's of my so beers there. Fun. Yeah. That's super we... necessary to have one two months later. It's fine. Yeah. I don't think. Do we want to go to the one in Houston? I don't know. No, we already talked about it. I don't it. think so. No, I know, but we didn't talk about it here. Oh, yeah. I don't know. If people want us to go, we'll see. Yeah. Tell it like. If Michael, our one fan, Michael, if he's going, we'll go. Exactly. Yes. So reach out to us and let yeah. us know. Michael. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, we're traveling to Austin. Yeah. Austin, I mean, Austin's more fun because we don't live in Austin. Yeah. So. Well, just more fun in general. Yeah. I'm sweating this drink right now. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> drink some water. Uh, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I'm excited. So we're going to do our, it's going to take us about a little over a month to get through um, the listener suggested cases. So starting with episode 33, do you want to start, do we want to carry on? Like just keep going, even though it's season two? I like carrying on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Me too. Phew. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's too many good numbers that you like can't like pass up on. Right. Um, yeah. So we're going to do all the listener suggested cases. And like I said, I go first. Anything yeah. else you want to mention before we start? I'm ready. All right. Cool. Um, so let's see here. I'm trying to get like the date correct. It won't be this time next week but close ish we'll be heading off to austin and austin actually has a correlation sort of ish in this case so like we mentioned um we'll be at the podcast meetup um and a few months ago i unfortunately befriended the host of swindled um, just kidding. He's fuck great. Fuck you, Shay. <laughs> just kidding. We do love it. <laughs> it's uh, a great podcast. If you yes. don't listen to it, you really, really need to. You probably already are because he's on the list of everything. Yeah. Just go ask him. He'll tell you. Such, so ha, well done. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> he and his podcast are actually based out of Austin. That's where he lives. So I asked him if he had any good murders that he knew of from his hometown of Odessa. Mm. So I'm going to talk about the case that he sent me the link to. And I want to do this one first since it was kind of our like first in air quotes case suggestion even though I really just asked him for it so (laughs) um disclaimer right off the bat I normally overshare during questions and theories time without fail but I really get into this case um but rather than just like talking in circles I actually try to get all my thoughts out and like make a cohesive like sense of it all so just bear with me okay so picture it (laughs) May 2011 Odessa Texas I was going to make fun of it for being small and shitty, but according to the interwebs, Odessa actually isn't that small. Right. Not anymore. Yeah. It is, however, out in the middle of nowhere. So for those who aren't familiar, it is a major contributor to the oil and gas industry. So it just kind of smells bad. Yeah. Like overall. Just a weird like farty smell. (laughs) (laughs) Sulfur is the correct term, I think. Uh, It's also very close to Midland, which to be honest is just a football stadium. Yeah. 
Um, interestingly enough, in 2013, just a couple years after this murder takes place, Odessa was listed having the highest rate of violent crime in Texas. Wow. I know. I thought that was interesting. Is there like a an opioid or a yeah. meth alcohol? Yeah. That it's sense. drugs, which is cool when I read about it. I don't think I really like talk about it too much, but it was interesting when I did read about it now that you brought it up because it was like the guys that work on the oil rigs like need drugs to stay awake and like it's oh, to wow. like make it through the day. And so yeah. it's like a not a you know crazy outbreak but there is like drug activity for sure because of that that's kind of weird yeah that's what i've heard from people mm-hmm. like you go through um you see these guys they come in they work their high-paying oil jobs mm-hmm. they buy these three expensive weeks cars yeah. yeah expensive apartments and then they crash they have mm-hmm. no more money and then they turn to drugs for some reason to like boop 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 and yeah it's a weird lifestyle it really is it sucks um, and then after reading that statistic, I scroll down and I read a quote by author James Michener. I don't know. I'm sure. Probably yep. wrong. Yep. <laughs> uh, he wrote, quote, you are more likely to be murdered in Odessa than in any other city in the nation. In the nation. This book was fictional, but I thought it was funny oh. because it just added to the theme that we were on. <laughs> I liked it and I thought it was ironic. So on to the story. Uh, the home that stands as the scene of the crime is at 2738 Fair Oaks Circle. Uh, when I researched articles on this case, pictures of the house popped up everywhere. And I found that odd because like murders occur in homes all the time. Yeah. And I've never really seen the house portrayed as like the main focus as much as I have in this case. So to paint the full picture, since that's for whatever reason really important to people, it uh, has kind of a muted like dusty brown brick situation happening. Kind of contributes to a pretty rather mundane and forgettable exterior. One story, nothing special, in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> it would belong to Richard and Peggy Glover. He unfortunately goes by Dick, so I have to say that from here on out. Just wanted to get that immature moment out of the way. Yay. Giggle, giggle. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I was actually on the phone with my mom the other day, and I was like, yeah, I have to blow my deck today. <laughs> she like <laughs> laughed really hard because it sounded like, not blow my deck. I yeah. love your mom. Anyway, um, a little background to start things off. Peggy was originally from Oklahoma, as was Dick. They were married in 1980, each being in their 40s. Both had spent the decades prior. Sorry, Kane just sighed. It was really cute. They both spent the decades prior in the business world. Peggy was evidently the owner and the CEO of Gemstar Inc., a company that manufactures pressure vessels in Odessa for the oil and gas industry. A lot of money. Yeah. Then. Okay. So Dick went into the same field as a young man. He would work on oil rigs in Cuba in his early 20s. And by 1961, at 27, he had created his own company, just like Peggy, that would assist in oil, gas, and energy. They thrived as a couple as best as one could in a snooze fest of a town and managed to start a family and maintain their success. That was not copy and pasted. I wrote that. Hey, <laughs> hey good snooze fest, right? <laughs> um, by March of 2011, the couple would celebrate their 30th wedding anniversary, and by May of 2011, they would be found robbed and murdered in their home, having been stabbed to death. And they were around 70, mm-hmm. okay. mid to late 70s. Uh, the couple had been recently doing some renovations and remodeling to their home, specifically in the kitchen. Two men helping with the projects arrived at the Glover's home around 8 or 9 in the morning on Monday, May 23rd, 2011, to find that the couple had been killed. Beginning at the edge of their living room, the workers would see a chair that had fallen over and the beginning of smeared blood. This was the starting point of where Peggy Glover was dragged around 10 to 15 feet and then to where she was found laying in a pool of blood. Her throat was cut and her underwear was pulled down to about her knees. 
Her husband was laying about a foot from her and his body was face down with a knife sticking out from his shoulder blade. The medical examiner, Dr. Mark Kraus, who performed the autopsies of Dick and Peggy, said Peggy died of a cut to her neck and Dick died of between two and four stab wounds to his chest and back. Peggy's autopsy revealed that the cut to her neck, which looked about an inch deep, severed her carotid arteries and larynx. Quote, you might as well be decapitated, he said. Peggy also had several defensive injuries on her arm with about 11 areas of blunt trauma on her body, none of which were, quote, more than trivial when compared to the neck wound, basically emphasizing how horrendous the injury to her throat was. Mm -hmm. So all in all, she was beaten, cut up, and had her throat slit. I bring up the whole sexual assault and rape stuff later, so we just put a pin in that one. Um, But again, according to Dr. Krauss, Dick Glover was stabbed three times in the chest with uh, two of those wounds cutting his aorta and perforating his pulmonary artery. But Dr. Krauss said that there were actually five other stab wounds, some more serious than others, that could have contributed to his death. Dick also had numerous defense wounds, including deep cuts on his right hand, where he tried to most likely grab the knife or ward it off. Mm. Um, And based on the injuries, not just because statistically stabbings are usually more personal, but just the fact of the defensive wounds alone, this murder seems to be done with a purpose. Mm -hmm. So how did all this happen? We're asking. Several neighbors, the workers in the home, and even Peggy's son claim they saw the couple coming and going from the home or in person on Saturday, May 21st, two days before they were found murdered however next door neighbor melvin kelly would mention that he saw them on the sunday the 22nd he might have been the last one to see them alive he said he saw the couple several times that sunday as he was making spaghetti sauce and the last time he saw them was just before 4 p.m driving back into their garage melvin said he thought it was strange the next morning that dick's car or excuse me dick's white lincoln navigator was gone because dick had been going to work later than melvin for some time and so he was used to seeing the car parked when he would leave for work every day a quote by melvin kelly generally when i left in the morning the garage door was closed however this morning i was driving off at 6 35 a.m and the garage door was open they either forgot to close it or they left it open so the make again or something like that i really don't know why they left the door open At first, I thought he, meaning police, was telling me a joke because if you knew these people, they didn't have any enemies. Who would do something like this? Mm. Wife Terry Kelly says, this is absolutely unbelievable. They were always top shelf people. I mean, top of the line. (laughs) You couldn't ask for a better neighbor. I don't know how many times you can say top in a sentence, but Uh, that lady did. Anyway. Top shelf people. Top of the line. Liquor? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think of that. Uh, the case could have ended up being a freaky, unsolved random murder, but technology really helped expedite this investigation. So Dick had started showing symptoms of oncoming Alzheimer's disease. Oh. I know. The family decided to install a GPS in Dick's car as a precaution. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Without him knowing about it, too, which I thought was, like, kind of shitty, but it's like, would he remember them telling him anyway? It's that sounds true. kind of like a lame no. joke, but it was, like, honest. Uh, the police began tracking the missing vehicle, and the search would lead to a man named James Boyle. Wow, I already messed up his name. James Doyle Burwell Jr. The 27-year-old would be found in possession of the car all the way in Lubbock County, along with Peggy's credit card. James was initially arrested on on. James was an. <laughs> It's already starting. Oh, my God. (laughs) James was initially arrested on unauthorized use of a vehicle and brought back to Odessa for questioning. 
documents will state he was wearing blood-stained boots, mm. which uh, pattern matched boot prints found at the crime scene. But besides that, they are really starting from ground zero, okay? So this is allegedly what happened between the Glovers and James Burwell the night of May 22nd. Okay. Sunday night. They arrive home around 4 p.m., according to their neighbor, Melvin, who pointed out, hey, I saw them driving in. The next point on the timeline in the couple's death is 6.13 p.m. when James Burwell purchased several items, including a fairly nice laptop at a Walmart and then a few items at a convenience store. Whoa. According, oh my God, I like, I can't, these drinks are poisonous, like full on. You made them. I know, I'm sorry. It was your idea, however many episodes ago. According to the receipts entered into evidence. Sorry. Oh God. We only have three more to go. I know, right? Oh. Totals amounted around $1,400. Then James got hungry because he then showed up again at a Sonic with a stolen vehicle and credit card with the receipt stamped at 8.43 p.m. So reminiscent of Colton Petoniak, the guy who, like, supposedly uh-huh. killed Jennifer Cave. Is it Burger King murder? Yes. No onions on the receipt. Yeah, I wasn't even. You, no yeah, onions, sure, really? Yeah, yeah. Episode 19. Go listen. <laughs> Anyways, a uh, GPS signal from a cell tower to the Glover's Lincoln Navigator placed James still in Odessa as late as 9.17 p.m. that Sunday. It's been a long time right. Wow. He then checked into a motel about 10.53 p.m., where he was finally detained after walking to the stolen car and placing a backpack inside. So he literally got nowhere and did nothing. Yeah, I mean, he went, got up to Lubbock or over to Lubbock, whatever. Mm, that's not like, too far, right? That's like three hours away, I didn't look maybe? it up. It's fine. Ugh. Unfortunately, James declined to be questioned by police after being read his Miranda rights. However, James would be indicted on three counts of capital murder in August of 2012. The first count is for killing is for the killing of two people in the same criminal act. The second and third counts are for the individual murders of Dick and Peggy Glover during the course of a robbery or burglary. District Attorney Bobby Bland, Forensic Files, waived the death penalty after more than a year with it on the table. Interesting. He said family members requested and approved the waiver of the death penalty being sought. Remember that happened? It was, I forget what episode it was. And we we're like, oh, wow, we had no idea that the family could be like, no, nah, it's all good. Uh-huh. It's fine. Just like get it over with kind of thing. I do remember. I think it was a, a, a young female that was murdered by some guy. Oh, my God. Angela That's so Simone general. Angela popping out, but I don't yeah. think it was Angie. No, because he got the death sentence or Did death he? penalty, but he just hasn't gotten there yet. I don't know. You yeah, know that no, girl I, that got I, killed by that guy? Yeah, like, well, which one? We only have 33 yeah, right. episodes of them. Um, I do remember that happening, yeah. though. Yeah. Um, a quote from D.A. Bland. It was, more, it was important to honor the memory of Dick and Peggy Glover and make sure the person that did this horrible act paid the ultimate price that he could pay, which is life in prison. So therefore, I am happy in behalf of the family. Is in behalf the correct way or is it on behalf? In behalf. He's happy because the family did that. In behalf? I think it's on, on behalf. But isn't that for like, like in place of... It doesn't fucking matter. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was a typo. sounded better to me, so. Mm. According to a search warrant affidavit, officers believe <clears throat> that I just skipped an entire paragraph. Oh, good. Yeah. In September 2012, <laughs> just a month after his indictment, court documents revealed the findings of blood-soaked clothes that James Burwell may have been wearing the day he was accused of killing Dick and Peggy. 
It was alleged that the clothing may have even been cleaned and hidden by James's family members. Whoa. Information also emerged that James may have had a fresh set of clothes packed and ready before leaving town. According to a search warrant affidavit, officers believed the clothing worn by James the day of the crime or the day the crime was committed was located at his grandmother's house, 601 Zanetta Avenue, in case anyone was wondering. And the affidavit states the clothing was even cleaned by his family to remove the blood. The affidavit stated that four people were interviewed and those four would tell police that Tisha Burwell was one of the supposed family members, his stepmother to be specific. Even though they kind of look the same age. Mm. So, I mean, that doesn't mean anything, but I thought it was weird that she turned out to be a stepmother instead of a girlfriend or a cousin or whatever. The witnesses listed in the affidavit were all co-workers of Tisha Burwell. Um, I'm uncertain of her exact profession, but everything kind of points to hospitals or this like occupational therapy business. So I'm not sure if she's a nurse or whatnot, but clearly dealing with blood (laughs) doesn't faze her. No. Um, Tisha would be indicted on tampering with or fabricating physical evidence, and she would be sentenced to five years probation. So I couldn't find anything definitively stating that they tested the clothing or that the blood was a match with the victims or anything. Mm-hmm. But again, doesn't mean that it's not out there. And right. I guess it must have had it had to have been related to the case in some way for mm-hmm. it to actually like for to charge her or whatever. So during the two day trial, two days, that's it. In November 2012, prosecutors showed evidence and photographs from the crime scene. Dr. Krauss, Walmart employees and neighbors were all brought in to testify. The defense argued that James's fingerprints were never found on the knife used, but prosecutors said that there was enough evidence to show James did it. Quote, we had plenty of evidence. They, meaning the jury, can make their argument, but the fact, that, the fact is there was overwhelming evidence of his guilt. They should have decided this fast, and they did. We appreciate the work of the jury. D.A. Bland. Uh, as for why this happened, I thought this article brought something to the table. So it states that James Burwell's direct relationship to the Glovers, if any, wasn't immediately clear the Monday that they were found killed um, and when he was arrested. But he did have at least one connection to the Glovers' neighborhood. Aretta Pruitt, who married James's father, Robert Burwell. So this is a quote from Aretta. I was married to his dad, but I haven't seen him in several years. She described the accusations against her former, ste- former stepson as out of character. I would not, I would like to say not that he wouldn't do anything like that. People usually commit crimes in areas that they're familiar with, so this could be a possibility of why he chose that neighborhood, mm-hmm. but we get into it later. James's DNA wouldn't be found anywhere in the home. Like his defense attorneys mentioned, his fingerprints weren't on the murder weapon. However, his fingerprints were located on the driver's side door jam of the couple's other vehicle inside their garage. The shoe, Im- yeah, oh man. The shoe impressions were almost an exact match, but not exact. Man, you're writing a lot of stuff down. (laughs) (laughs) They were able to exclude the victim shoe prints, police shoe prints, and the construction worker shoe prints as well. Quote from a juror, I just wanted to make sure that Mr. Burwell got as much of a fair trial as he deserved, but also make sure justice was served, she said. Even though nothing really put him right there with the murder weapon, I felt comfortable with the decision we all came to. Interesting. After the vote, the jurors said the room was emotional and some shock set in. Quote, we all sat there for about 30 seconds in silence. And then there was some tears. The jurors said a couple of them began crying, at which point other jurors asked several times that they were sure about their decision and whether they wanted to re-vote or delve further into evidence. Hmm. Uh, But she said all were confident and they were crying more so for the families, not about the decision. And with that, James Burwell was convicted of capital murder on November 8th, 2012. He received life without parole and is currently in the Robertson unit. 
Um, I wanted to mention lastly, before we go into questions and theories, is that James's last criminal offense prior to this was in 2008 when he was arrested on a Class C misdemeanor of driving without a seatbelt. So that's just wanted huh. to give you his criminal history there. Questions and theories. I have. Oh, man. <laughs> I have a lot, yeah. but it's fine. Uh, questions first, and then I'll go into theories. Okay. Did the knife belong to the Glovers? I couldn't find a specific answer for that. Doesn't mean they didn't figure it out. Right. I feel like it could make the case lean more towards a robbery turned murder mm-hmm. if it belonged to the couple and he just grabbed it in the moment. Right. Or it could make the case lean more tor- towards a premeditated incident uh, if it was his personal knife. Um, I'm assuming it be- belonged to the Glovers because personally, if I brutally stabbed a person and it was my own knife, I definitely wouldn't leave that thing behind, Mm-mm. regardless if I wore gloves or not. But I'm also smart enough not to bring my own knife to kill someone anyways. Right. Question number two. Was the garage left open? Did they just forget to close it? And that's how he allegedly entered. Um, they gave a layout of sorts of the crime scene and like blood trail. So I wonder how the house was laid out in reference to the garage entry. Mm-hmm. It might explain how and if he was able to do a sneak attack on the couple or if it you know, could even explain the scenario of him wandering into the house because the garage was open and hoped that the home was unoccupied. Right. Um, or perhaps they walked in on him burglarizing the home. Who knows? All right. The biggest question I have is with the timeline to a certain extent. Yes. So this is like where I get like into like weird weird questions and theories okay so one of the construction guys mentions in his original statement that he saw peggy in a nightgown i thought this was odd because according to the timeline given in court james shows up at the walmart at 6 to 6 15 which reminder is electronically documented as proof but he supposedly has already killed the couple it's suspicious to me because who puts on a nightgown at five ish in the afternoon and she had just gotten home right right, with her husband and so, I mean, like, I'm not stupid. I know that she was in her mid to late 70s, like we said yeah. at that point, but she didn't look like it. And according to most, she didn't act like it either. And I believe from what I read, they were both still working every day and they were working way into their you know past retirement age. So, I mean, they're not like the quintessential, like old, old people, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like, just because you're still active in your senior years doesn't mean you can't just put on a nightgown at 5 p.m. That's if you want true. to. But I just think it was... It's doubtful. Yeah. like you still have dinner to deal with. Right. You still have... Exactly. And that segues into a whole other thing of mine of like... We'll get into it. It's fine. Okay. Um, and then I thought, okay, perhaps the construction worker mistook her nightgown for like a house dress or something comfortable. Sure. And plus he was looking at like a major crime scene and maybe misremembered. Yeah. Um, I wrote down that it made me think of uh, Warner in Legally Blonde when she's like, what kind of shoes are these? And he's like, uh, black ones. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, guys, m- the majority of straight men don't pay attention to mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. It could have been a baby blue dress. Right. Thing she was, was in it a maxi dress? Was like, it a sundress? Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. Yeah. It's summertime in Odessa, Texas. Like, do you think she was? Hot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that. I don't know. It's fine. If it was actually a, a nightgown, then that's that timeline is very often weird. Right. But it's possible. That True. It and I also think that like he was able to remember specifically that it was a nightgown while also staring at her slit throat and underwear around her knees. Right. I feel like most men would say, I don't know, she was wearing a dress. Right. Like nightgowns. I asked several guys, what time do you think old women go to bed at? Mm-hmm. And what do you 
what do you picture when you think of a nightgown? And they, the majority of them all told me, I picture like a really long, long sleeve, lacy white thing. Yeah. So I wonder what it looked like. Yeah, that'd be I interesting. Know. I just think it's, I thought it was, you know, a little tidbit of information that could be of I note. like to see crime scene photos. Right. But I also don't want to see yeah. crime scene photos. <laughs> so I think that some crime scene unit personnel or forensic person probably could have corroborated that detail. But right. so it probably got sorted out, but whatever. Um, I also wondered, did the police find that detail out and maybe ask the neighbor, you know, who supposedly saw them at 4 p.m. if he recalled what she was wearing? Because right. maybe if her dress that day looked like what he, that guy, the construction worker saw, the whole thing could have been resolved. Yep, you the know? timeline is still go- good. Yeah. My main theory. What if James goes to the neighborhood? He remembers it. Memories of his own father and stepmother. He knows the people there that live there have money and it's quiet and unassuming. He sees an open garage. A Mercedes is the car that he has his fingerprints found on and then the Lincoln Navigator are inside. Okay. He grabs the handle to the first car, the Mercedes. It doesn't open. He goes inside, maybe just to find the keys, burglarize the home, etc. Instead, he finds the couple dead. He gets Dick's blood on his boots and in a panic, tracks the shoe prints around. He finds Peggy's purse, wallet, credit cards, etc. Finds the keys to the Lincoln and hauls it. Because although in his version of the story, he didn't kill them, he's still a piece of sh- shit thief and got what he could. So he's going to walk in and do whatever and then leave. That could explain a lot because there's no evidence there. There's what other personal motive do you have by him? Right. None. But also wearing a pair of gloves could explain a lot of it. Yeah. Him being on drugs and raging out could explain a lot of it. Did you have a question? I feel I like you paused. Okay. Let me like, let me, I feel like I could like skim through the rest no, of this yeah, really quick. No, yeah, because you're okay. answering questions okay, as cool. we go and then I'm collecting cool. more, so. Um, so, however, if you were cracked out on drugs because you're pushing 30, you're still living in Odessa and you're desperate for money or whatever, would you think to wipe off the knife, the doorknob or like whatever you touched inside the house before you left, but no. forget to wipe off one of the car doors you tried to open? Nope. Exactly. Nope. So... He could have been wearing gloves at least some point. However, they found his prints on the dark car door handle, like I keep mentioning. But which means if he did have gloves, gloves on, hypothetically, it was only during the murder since there wasn't any DNA or fingerprints or evidence linking him to the crime scene inside besides the boot prints. Which, again, it's Odessa. I'm sure a lot of people wear boots. Mm-hmm. Do they all have victims' blood on it, though, on them, though? No. Probably not. My only assumption could be is that if he did wear gloves during the robbery or murder, he took them off after the killings because... They were bloody, and in rushing to leave while not trying to maybe smear blood on the car, he grabbed the car door barehanded, and in a frenzy, maybe he forgot to wipe it down. Yeah. Um, I also think, man, I really go into this, and I need to skip over it, because I'm just, like, d- going down a rabbit hole, and I know you're going to be so bored. No, no. Um, however, if you believe that he was in such an unorganized state of panic to flee the scene, grabbing car doors, sprinting around, then that to me negates or at least puts into question everything else about the crime that occurred in the house. Why have the slip up after the murder? Because to me, gloves mean premeditation. Gloves mean a certain level of planning and organization. Gloves don't mean genius killer, but they usually do mean there is intent. Mm -hmm. So the crime could be less random and more on purpose than I feel like we think. Yeah. Because if it was just a robbery, I'd look past a lot of the missing evidence. But these people were murdered, stabbed, and insanely killed. Missing evidence in a crime like this makes me think he had the intention of killing whoever's home he broke into. But adding that level of violence and gore makes me think that he chose to break into the Glovers for a more personal reason. So was she raped? 
were those test results actually brought yeah. to trial? Was it all staged? Why would it be staged? Was he trying to embarrass Peggy for some reason? The, I immediately thought of um, Martha Moxley, where he pulled her pants down. He didn't assault her or rape right. her. He just pulled them down to embarrass her yeah. and humiliate her after the fact. So Dick was only stabbed, granted, multiple times, but her throat was slit. Why was her death more severe? Uh-huh. Could they tell which victim died first? Did she have defensive wounds? She did. She, she did. was beaten okay. and there was a few stabs here and there. But I mean, okay. would it matter who died first? Would it tell anything if she died before he did or he was taken care of to get him out of the way and then he went back and slit her throat? So on that same note, why linger and take the time to viciously and aggressively stab this couple and risk getting caught? Mm-hmm. Loitering around the crime scene, seemingly unfazed by... It's five o'clock in the fucking afternoon. That's when I mentioned here. Did they, did they, he know if it's 5 p.m. They haven't family come over for Sunday dinner. Right. You know what I mean? Did he have any idea what was going on? Did he care? Was he just like that strung out? It's still light out. Right. Do, 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 do. Okay. So I said, I guess it's confusing for me because did he just get lucky with not leaving much evidence behind because he was sort of smart about it or was he just fucked up and out of his right mind? And it was all a scramble, start to finish, and luck once again took part in the whole thing. Is he smart enough not to leave DNA at the scene, but then dumb enough to use the stolen cards of a dead woman? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I think that this crime in all its parts doesn't make sense. The MO, the timeline, his actions, and demeanor post-murder, the evidence, the possible accomplice of the family, even the victims are all really confusing. And if I had been sitting in the courtroom or had more information, that would always help to clarify the stuff that we talk about. But until that day, I will speculate all night long about this case, because unless you were there, you just never know. Nope. So in summation, this is the last thing that I will say. I think the blood on his shoes sealed his fate, placing him there at the home when they were dead or being killed. And once a jury hears that very convincing fact, it's hard for the defense to recover from that point on. He also declined to be questioned after his arrest, which shows some level of guilt or smarts in a sense. There's also the factor of Tisha Burwell. Was he smart enough to get a family member to clean up after him? And if we want to go down that route, who's to say that maybe he had help with the whole thing, hence why evidence of his involvement with the actual murder was fairly limited. Yep. Questions that you have? Well, were there any prints found on the knife or found in the house? Like, there was Not that nothing. I'm aware of. Okay. Not that I read. So <clears throat> my thought, like, I think he would have been too lucky to just walk in on a dead couple and be able to steal I all agree. things. So maybe... I was trying to play devil's advocate. No, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe he... I don't know, (laughs) went into the open garage and tried the door and decided, I want to go, I want to get the keys to this car, fuck it, and then saw, like, I wonder if there were gloves missing from the garage. Yeah, that's a good point. And he stole gloves and went in and maybe panic murdered them. I feel like it would make sense that the knife was theirs. Mm -hmm. That would be interesting to know. The fact that he has no real history of crime. That I could find. Yeah. I mean, a misdemeanor, like, come on. Like, yeah. you don't automatically jump from misdemeanor to... And it's possible that he could be a serial For sure. criminal and... For sure, flying under yeah. the radar. He was actually really, honestly, kind of cute. Really? Mm-hmm. And he was super young, right? Like, yeah, he's 27. That's really young. Yeah. It's like, Unassuming, you know what I mean? You don't... I don't know. I wish he would have given some kind of statement, because mm-hmm. I would be interested to know what his Me story too. is. Yeah. Like, he really does look guiltier the fact that he doesn't say anything yeah it's it, like I, I wrote down like is how but he might be smart no enough prints? to not say how anything. is there not a blood match like is he a scapegoat but 
it makes no sense for him to have the stolen right. vehicle and the credit cards and his prints be on the vehicles. And like, the boots. Like, I mean. The boots are so damning. That's why I think, is it one of those cases where he literally is a piece of shit and thinks, all right, these people are dead, but I'm I'm going to get framed for it. So I better just take my shit and go have a good time anyway. Maybe. Because is he, I don't know. He doesn't seem. But then you got to think about the the stepmother. Like of her helping him clean up everything like right. was he you just can't be both in my mind you can't be dumb enough to go and be on camera and spend that money and have a track you know timeline but then plan ahead that far yeah, yeah. you just can't it doesn't make i mean sense. you could but it's that's bizarre it's not likely because yeah. he really did like he like if he had blood cleaned from his clothing that meant there were there was blood on his clothing and if he had just stumbled upon an open garage and decided i'm gonna try this door and see if it's unlocked mm-hmm. i'm gonna borrow these gloves i'm just gonna go in oh these people are murdered that sucks let me find their yeah. purse he wouldn't need to get near the blood yeah i mean depending i, mean, I boots, guess on maybe. where the purse was but Ooh, that was my foot <laughs> but like if you're gonna go thoroughly and change your clothes check your boots yeah. hello yeah. You know what I mean? Why skip over that when you know you walk through it? I mean, is it possible he's just the luckiest guy in the world that none of his DNA was at the scene of the know. crime? I guess. That just makes no sense because... Because what did you do with the gloves if you you yeah. wore them I, I, or whatever? I don't you know. You didn't have the foresight. You had the foresight to get rid of the right. clothes, not the boots. Wear the gloves. Yeah. Like the, and you had to be wearing gloves. And is he? does he have hair? Yeah. So how did not one follicle of hair fall out during a struggle if both parties have defensive wounds? Well, granted, the pictures I saw were, you know, when he was arrested and then during court. But, I mean, he had facial hair and, like, decently lengthed normal hair. So it's likely that he had hair of some sort. during it. I don't know, man. It just makes no sense. Like, why trust your, like, kind of white trash family to, like, clean up after you? Or, like... I don't know. What if... Like I said at the very end, what if there were two people? I mean... Then that's, uh, like... It but you would have almost, maybe seen someone with him. And it's like, did someone commit the crime and then meet him up at Walmart? Mm-hmm. But why were his prints at the house, on right. the car? So it's like, fuck. And how did no one see it at 5 or 5.30, 5.45? That seems to be about when it happened. How did no one see this right. unidentified? Like, if your neighbor is apt that, enough to notice, like, well, their garage is right. usually open. The car's usually still here. Like, Neighborhood watch, Mr. Melvin Kelly, yeah. knowing everything, but you don't happen to see a dude walk up their garage Or hear driveway? a woman screaming right. or a man shouting. Right. Like, just very fishy. Like, do they have enemies? Was it a contract kill? And this guy was just a dumb contract killer. Like, I don't know. I don't know. At first, I thought maybe, well, let me look into these contractors that were working at their house yeah. a bit more. And, like, did they lie? Because they were the first right. people to find them. You right. know what I mean? But I don't know, man. It, they did That never really turned out anything. But And the fact that there's no so DNA bizarre. and, like, people are cleared because their boot prints don't match. Mm-hmm. Like, you can burn and There wasn't even, yeah, there wasn't even an exact match. Mm-hmm. And it's, to me... I don't know. It's it's almost like these days you have to be so certain because there are so many slip ups with labs and testing and saying, oh, it's not an exact match. It's saying like, oh, well, that blood type is almost right. this or that DNA is almost that. It's and it's like, it's almost exact. It's, it's fine. fine. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's that should be works. definitive. I mean, and if the print was a shitty print, you couldn't get, you know, an actual good. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. a good like It'd be an impression anyways. on the blood or you know what I'm saying? 
like a fudged up fingerprint you can't get a full match or it's just like partial like that's what i'm trying to say like not a great like i fully walked heel to toe in blood for you right but still i think everyone in odessa is wearing boots because you're fucking out in the desert and on an oil rig or whatever yeah I just don't think that this was fair. But also, this motherfucker was in the car with the credit cards. Like, you just can't. Is that enough? Is that enough? But it also feels like this is the guy. Mm -hmm. It's very bizarre. And it's more bizarre that he has not said anything Mm -hmm. to defend himself to anything. So, like, maybe he is just the luckiest criminal in the world. And if he hadn't been so stupid afterward, he could have gotten away with it. And I mean, clearly, I think that the the robbery theft part was more of his, you know, what he was really into, because uh-huh. obviously he didn't bring, maybe hypothetically didn't bring the murder weapon, didn't really plan on killing them, just wanted their shit and wanted to go buy more shit. Mm-hmm. But why then why was the murder so aggressive if yeah. all he cared about was getting stuff? Like, was he already in the house, maybe? Because if you're just going to rob somebody, but you see that there's a car in the driveway and the garage is open, you would assume they're home. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe he knew they, they walked were in. old and feeble and he didn't realize they had as much fight in them or something. But I feel like it might be likelier that he they... No, it wouldn't be because then he would... What if they left, the couple left, Alzheimer's set in, mm-hmm. not to make a joke. He no. forgot to close the garage door. All yeah. right. They drive off. They go do their thing. He wa- stumbles in. He sees a Mer- Mercedes in the garage, driveway, whatever. Goes in, they come home, you know, and they stumble upon him trying to find the keys to the car or whatever. But then it doesn't explain the nightgown. No. You know, if it was a nightgown. And that's right. why I feel like that detail makes the timeline all different. Uh-huh. And it could just be the, you know, a case where there's one mm-hmm. wrong detail right. and then all of a sudden you're veered off in a different direction. Well, I mean, I even tried to look up the ethnicity of the construction workers because in some, you know, different cultures, a nightgown means this and it means a nightdress in some and it means a right. day dress or you know what I mean? Like it, it is interpreted differently. Yeah. So I tried to see if maybe that was something that was the detail that Damn. was different. <laughs> but no, I couldn't figure anything out because it's Odessa. I don't know. I mean... <laughs> It still doesn't explain no matter which way you turn it and cross it and what if and blah, blah, blah. The actual murder was so aggressive and so personal that nothing fits. Yeah. So anyway. It makes no real sense. uh, Do you have any more questions? Uh-uh. Is your mind totally warped right now? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Because it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. No. So that was the story of Richard and Peggy Glover and James Burwell Jr. in Odessa. Uh, fuck you yeah sure yeah i mean he is attractive and quiet so he maybe he is a killer i don't know maybe you never know (laughs) so this next case was suggested by a listener may um who has a connection to another case that hannah talked about one of the survivor episodes and a connection to this so that really sucks and i'm sorry but we definitely want to talk about the murder of Kristen Ray Paris. And I am calling it a murder. So this takes us to the small Jefferson County city of Netherlands, Texas, which is kind of near the Beaumont area. On the evening of January 26, 2015, near 11 p.m., police responded to a head-on collision on I-10 near Ford Park. 65-year-old Rocklin Kennedy had been driving his 2002 Chevy truck after leaving the gentleman's club he owned, Dream Street. 
Oh my god, I've heard of Dream State. Have you really? Yeah. Holy shit. It was like, uh, never mind. It doesn't matter. That's weird. Yeah. No, no, no. I've never been there, but I, know, I just no, like remember like, if you like Google, because <laughs> I've Googled Houston strip clubs because <laughs> I tried to work at one. Um, yeah, it came up, but it was, I want to say, was it in, no, it wasn't. I was going to say maybe it was in reference to um, Cheryl Henry. Oh. There was like strip club stuff in that, wow. but I could be wrong. Ooh, but it could be. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. Anyway, go well, ahead. Well, that was. And there was a boys boy band name. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. That's how I helped Adam come up with uh, his uh, comedy wrestling name. Because they're called Cream Street, but it should be Dream Street. He misunderstood me. Anyway. Perfect. <laughs> Even worse. So um, he, Rockland, left Dream Street, which he owned. Um, so the club, formerly operating and owned by Kennedy and his business partner, Thomas Sherlock, was located. These are fake people. They have to be. Come and Rockland on. actually is a pseudonym for mm. Rustin Kennedy. Yeah. It's just, he goes by like three different names, but Rockland is what was in most oh, articles. So exactly. Okay. So um, they both owned and operated Dream Street, um, which was located on Martin Luther King Boulevard in Beaumont. So Rockland had been at the club earlier in the evening where Kennedy was bartending and around 11 p.m. he leaves the club and begins his, his drive home. While on I-10, the intoxicated Rockland misses his exit. Instead of taking the next one like a normal human being, his fucked up drunk brain told him to make a U-turn and go back in the opposite direction on I-10. That's when, at approximately 11.20 p.m., he struck 18-year-old Kristen Ray Paris's 2006 Chevy Cobalt head-on. His blood alcohol level was 0.291, more than three times the legal limit. Jesus. So both Kristen and Rockland were rushed to the Christus Hospital St. Elizabeth Wing, or version i don't know hospital whatever is crisis hospital saint elizabeth christus Chris, it's literally christ christ with us? us and yeah Christus. oh all right never heard of it okay yeah. Kristen was alive but in critical condition when she was rushed to the hospital but passed away due to her injuries at 4 a.m that tuesday morning um i forgot i was gonna do this so we're gonna have to open up into something real quick Kristen's brother in response to her death, posts on Facebook, and I quote, At 11.23 last night, a drunk driver, while driving on the wrong side of the road, hit my little sister's car on her way to Houston. She was alive when she got to the hospital, and a large part of her family was here all night through this ordeal. About 20 minutes ago, she was officially cleared, declared dead. I have no words to express the anger I'm feeling or the heartbreak. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I loved my little sister more than anything in the world, and she knew that. And I hope she knows how much I'm going to miss her for the rest of my life. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Take a um, swig of your, where's right? your drink? God. I love you, sis. I'll always miss you. So, so sad. That's yeah. why I call these drunk driving fatalities mm -hmm. their murders, because mm -hmm. it's just the pain isn't any different. Yeah. Rockland, of course had only minor injuries and was released from the hospital and booked into Jefferson County Jail um, that next morning. And just sidebar, imagine, 
I hope they didn't know this, but imagine her family being in the same building as the man that just killed their daughter Mm. and he's getting treated for minor injuries. Like the fact that he would be receiving the same level of care that she had been would just. I've heard of that before where the where that's happened, where they what is that? That's a famous case or a famous survivor story of some kind on whatever where it's like two floors down. It was a fucking, uh, that's the one I always reference. Um, God damn it. Jennifer Shewitt, the little girl that I've referenced like several times. The guy is like, he tries to kill himself. And while she's recovering in the hospital, he's like two floors down in the psych ward or something like that. That's so fucking crazy. I know. And it's like, you can't control what they're taking to the hospital that's Mm -hmm. closest because that's what you're supposed to do. And everyone's to get fair and equal treatment. Oh, man. Yeah. But it's like, oh, oh, man. (laughs) What? (laughs) No Tito's for Hannah. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I was like, Elmer, fun. Yes, it was. Really bad. (laughs) So. I'm gonna cut that. Out. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> totally so, Rockland's bail was set at twenty five thousand dollars, which he posted the following day at nine a.m. and was released. Almost eight months later, Rockland Kennedy was charged with intoxication mans intoxicated manslaughter and pleaded guilty on Tuesday, September eighth of 2015 the jury of five women and seven men sentenced him that friday evening to 18 years prison and a ten thousand dollar fine which is one year in prison for every year that Kristen paris had been alive mm. the max he could have received was 20 years rockland why didn't be, you just go for the 20 oh my god yeah rockland will be eligible for parole in 2024 after serving only nine years of his sentence I want to bet he gets off, too. I bet he does. Rocklin mouthed during his sentencing, I'm sorry, to Daniel Paris, Kristen's father, uh, to which he responded, I won't hear this crap. <sighs> Daniel Paris said that he did not write a vi- victim impact statement because no words could describe his loss, but he'd never forgive Kennedy for taking his only daughter. He also said that he hadn't really slept since the crash, And he said, I quote, every time I close my eyes, sometimes I'm driving, sometimes I'm running, sometimes I'm flying, but I'm always trying to get to Ford Park. My God, I'm going to cry. (laughs) God, these suck so bad. Because it's like she wasn't doing anything except, I mean, I'll tell you what she was doing in a minute. Yeah. And just a baby. Um, She like driving to like her first day of college or some shit. She was driving to babysit her younger cousins in Houston. Uh. Yeah, so she was going to stay the night and babysit. Um, Beverly Paris, Kristen's mother, said, Losing a daughter on the verge of adulthood is like losing your best friend. Her bedroom is untouched. I have to walk in the house like nothing happened, but my whole world is shattered. So in March of 2015, so before the sentencing, um, before really the trial of Rockland, the Paris family filed a dram shop suit against Dream Street, and a settlement was reached in 2018 for an undisclosed amount. Oh, for like drinking on the job or whatever? Uh-huh, for the fact that the not only part owner but bartender mm-hmm. served Rockland past his, you know, limit um, and then let him leave. Mm-hmm. So basically the same thing as with um, what's-her-name 
where the fucking bar on the rocks. On the rocks. Nicole. What, Nicole. Bow. Slinger. Or whatever. What Fuck was her. That? Who cares? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but yeah, basically the same thing where the bartender knowingly overserved her mm-hmm. and him and the bar was sued and shut down and they oh, tried to okay. do some. That's sh- why it got shut down? That's why it got shut down. Nice. They tried to do some shisty shit to kind of say that they tried to move around assets. They did, but yeah. a settlement I mean, was I'm the reached. owner. Right. <laughs> That's kind of the end of the crime. It's not as crazy as the other car accident that we've spoken about, um, but it's just as tragic. Yeah. Especially because she was so young. Um, but we're just going to go into talking about Kristen now. Fuck you, Rockland. So Kristen Ray Paris was born on December 16th, 1996. She had just turned 18 a month prior to her death. She was a senior at Nederland High School, and her post-graduation plans were to study abroad and see the world. Um, she was a huge fan of One Direction. Oh my god, that's I how know. old I am. I know. Ugh. She was energetic, kind, and very family-oriented. Um, and like I said, she was on the way to babysit her cousins um, at the time of her death. Hundreds of people attended her funeral and her... Oh my God, I am such a baby. I'm going to cry. No, it's fine. <laughs> Hundreds attended her funeral and her pallbearers all wore purple dress shirts, which was her favorite color. And she had a light pink open casket. Um, she survived by, I do believe... Just her mother, father, and older brother, and then her entire community seemed to really rally around them. So really, my questions and theories are short because this case is short and it's very self-explanatory. It helps that Rockland pled guilty to this and he didn't try to pull any sort of bullshit. You know, he had claimed his brother had died, I think, a year or two prior, and he had turned to alcoholism, and he kind of cited that as one of the reasons. and. Beverly, Kristen's mother, said, no, it doesn't matter. Like, our daughter went through her hard times. She turned to her family. Yeah, like, you losing your brother doesn't justify me losing my daughter because of you. Um, Just, but is 18 years enough? I mean, this is a young life that was taken, and this man, the fact that, okay, so, like, 18 years, you would be... 84, 83 Mm -hmm. when he gets out, if he serves his full sentence. But the fact that he is up for parole in nine years from mm-hmm. now or from then, which is coming up, I feel like pretty soon, it's like six more years, he's probably going to get it because he's an old man. He, yeah. from what I saw, really didn't have any prior record. He'll, as long as he's well-behaved in prison, he'll probably get off early. And at that point, that's not enough time because he took this baby's life. Like He may not even, honestly, like, to start your life over at 80-something years old, he probably doesn't have anyone or anything on the outside world anymore mm-hmm. if he were to get to that point. So it's kind of like, are you better off just staying in prison where you have a bed and three meals a day? You know what I mean? Right. Like, you're old as shit or Lost gonna be, business, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, your reputation. Like, you can't go restart over in Beaumont. Like, with what? Mm-hmm. What time of day was it? It was uh, 11 at night. And she was going to babysit? Right, which is why I think that she was going to stay the night. And oh, and the babysit next the next day. day. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I, I used what? to do that for my like, okay. older cousins that makes and their sense. kids. Right. Yeah. Um, and then my question was, did the it was intoxicated manslaughter. Thank so did you. that add time to it or no, what? It, that was the charge and that, that held a max of 20 years. And I wrote, why is it not murder? 
Why would uh, it not be a murder charge? I mean, manslaughter, because he didn't intentionally do it, but it was but still he, manslaughter. And he was, I feel like the intoxication part was to add on years in case he got little time for just manslaughter. So they were like, well, let's tack on everything we can. So if a DUI has to be involved or a DWI, whatever, then, you know, add that for uh, years, mm-hmm. whatever it could be. You know what I mean? But I think that's dumb. Like, why not? Like you said, right. that's, it's pretty ridiculous I it's think, not like he's like this upstanding senator right? doctor teacher he's no offense to strip club owners but like he's i don't know he's drunk not strip club owner. yeah exactly yeah. i mean you could be a drunk senator i don't care yeah but i'm just saying he's not some Man great contribution to the beaumont area yeah it's it in a it feels like a very sense. light sentence when you take into account what was lost like yes. 18 years with the the parole part is what's killing me because Spending nine years in jail for murder. murder. It's because you knowingly got into your vehicle. Like if you're drunk enough to, I can almost understand entering the highway on the exit yeah. ramp more than making a U-turn. That that is a yeah, did special. He, did level he say of why he turned around? Like specifically, like oh, I left my shit at work. He or, missed his exit. Oh, missed his exit. That's yep. what it was. Okay, never mind. So he missed his exit, and w- there was probably one coming up like half a mile down right. the road. Like that, that seems. I'm picturing to me a than, highway with like a barrier in between. It's Beaumont. It's like a. Too. But he just like busted a bitch on the highway, so it was probably grass as the median. You know what I mean? Not like a cement. I think he was probably in the far right lane. Oh, same direction. Same direction. Oh, that obviously makes more sense because mm-hmm. that's how he hit her. Oh my god. Same direction. It's like I wasn't even paying attention, but now I am. Yeah. So he okay, hit her head on. Basically, she had no chance to react. He was just there. Whoa. Yeah. And the fact that uh, just being that drunk, that's insane to me. And so I feel like he got off way too easy for this crime. And the fact that he, I keep saying the fact, I hate when people do that. But him muttering, I'm sorry to her parents. I mean, I'm glad he shows a little bit of remorse. For sure. You'd rather that than nothing, I guess. but. Mm -hmm. But it's still like he, he was so old. He had lived his life, you know? And she was so fucking young. Oh, that's always He's how it the works age out. of her grandfather, and she's gone. It's just sad. It's really unjust. I so. mean, his name is Rocklin. Rocklin. <laughs> the fact that his name is the Rocklin. fact. <laughs> so, unless oh, do you have any Kristen. more on it? Uh, I actually wrote down. This is kind of like awkward, maybe to ask you this, but like it always makes me sad in a different way when I hear about like people's funerals and how all these people yeah. turn out and stuff. Cause I always think who's going to turn out at my funeral. Right. I don't have hundreds of people that I know. Nope. I have my family and like, yeah, I'm sure they would show up. But like, other than that, it's kind of a depressing thing to think about mm-hmm. in your life. And I guess, cause we're not in high school anymore. Yeah. We don't have a student body. Yeah. We don't, you know, I mean a hundred people, not that Beaumont's small, but it's not massive either. So it's like, I don't know. I, it's just an extra tragedy to me because she was a really probably a really sweet person and yeah. that a lot of people cared about. So yeah, absolutely. Even if you only have one person show up at your funeral, I'm sure you're a nice person and whatever. But <laughs> you know, my <sighs> point. So sad. She was yeah. like four months away from graduating high school and yeah. doing all the things she wanted to do. She was gonna get herself the fuck out of Beaumont. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, sorry, Kristen. <sighs> yeah. Fuck. You, Rockland. Fuck you, Rockland. What was the other one? Thomas who? Thomas Kennedy. It, Fuck you as no, well. No, I thought it was Rockland Kennedy. Oh, yeah, it was... Sherlock! Yeah, Thomas Sherlock and Rockland oh, Kennedy. Oh, my God. Yeah, fuck you both. Anyway. And especially, like, 
I'm sorry. Like, I know he lost his business and he probably got fined out the ass and shit, like, with the settlement or whatever, but I feel like Thomas Sherlock should be in jail as well. Well, and think about, like, if you want to see hear about the domino effect, it's like you lost your business, you, you ruined a family, you also put a lot of people out of business because your business shut down, mm-hmm. you put the whole town probably, actually, you probably helped the economy of Beaumont in some probably. shape or form, and all of this murder and economic, like, you fucking suck, don't drink alcohol and drive, right? Right, right. ever, right. never, ever, and yeah. at that point, um, Uber, I think, was a thing. Yeah, 2015, Absolutely. this was like a hot minute ago. Yeah. Yeah. So fuck yourself, Uber. Leave your car at your own goddamn business. Like, if your car isn't safe at your own business, what are you doing? Don't like strip clubs owner strip strip club owners like live there? Don't they have like an apartment upstairs and they just like crash on the cot? Yeah. So yeah. Fuck you, Rockland. Yeah. So that will wrap up episode 33. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, where to find us on social media will be put in the show notes as well as where to donate to the podcast via PayPal. And we'll be back next week with more Texas true crime. And, and if, if anyone's, anyone's listening, listening, happy, happy Halloween. Halloween. Yay, season two. Starting new. <laughs>